Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Tuesday, August 3rd. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Many contact tracers have been at it for roughly a year, and some say the job extends beyond checking up on people's COVID-19 status. Sometimes we forget that this has been a very isolating thing for people and it's affected people's mental health as well. We check in with some contact tracers in Illinois in just a few minutes. A case challenging St. Louis County's renewed mask mandate will be heard in state court. A federal judge has ruled most of the legal challenges raised by Attorney General Eric Schmidt deal with state law. There will be a hearing today on Schmidt's efforts to immediately stop enforcement of the mandate. County Executive Sam Page hopes the state court will agree the restriction is, quote, proper and needed. Page wanted to move the case to federal court because a small portion of the lawsuit deals with religious freedom. Schmidt calls that move an 11th hour attempt at delay. The federal judge is holding on to the right to consider that portion in the future. St. Louis officials will begin issuing direct rental aid payments to tenants who face eviction. This comes just days after the Centers for Disease Control moratorium on evictions expired. The move is expected to speed up housing assistance applications. Mayor Tashara Jones says direct payments are a way to keep families in their homes and to stop the spread of coronavirus. Housing advocates in the region say officials need to do more to stop the oncoming wave of evictions. A handful of people, including Chris Winston, demonstrated at City Hall yesterday in St. Louis to demand immediate housing solutions and to process the backlog of rental aid applications. I personally don't believe that the government has the interests of working class people at heart. They don't care. Our thanks to Five on Your Side for that audio. St. Louis County officials say they have been sending direct payments to tenants since June. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker has signed a new law designed to remove guns from residents with revoked licenses. Hannah Meisel reports. Pritzker signed the law in Aurora, where a gunman killed five of his former co-workers at the Henry Pratt Company factory in February of 2019. Five years prior to that, state police revoked shooter Gary Martin's firearm owner identification, or FOID card, but Martin never surrendered his handgun, the same gun he used to shoot Clay Parks, a 32-year-old HR manager at Henry Pratt, along with four others and himself. Parks' widow, Abby, praised Illinois' new law for equipping state police to actually enforce the surrender of firearms for those who shouldn't have them. Clay and the four others taken that day could still be with us if illegal guns were not left in the hands of people with revoked FOID cards. The new gun law also combines Illinois' FOID and concealed carry licenses I'm Hannah Meisel. A campaign to put Missouri's new gas tax increase to a public vote has been tabled. The Post-Dispatch reports a conservative advocacy group has dropped plans to get the issue on the ballot. Americans for Prosperity Missouri hoped voters would overturn that tax increase, but the group's executive director says the campaign just didn't come together. The law will gradually raise the state's 17-cent-a-gallon gas tax to 29.5 cents over five years. 19 historically black colleges and universities are receiving a boost in research funding from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. As Harvest Public Media's Katie Pikus reports, the money could have a broader impact for minority communities. The USDA and black farmers have had a rocky relationship over the years, but the Biden administration says it's working on that. It's investing nearly $22 million in historically black land-grant institutions to support research. 
Langston University in north central Oklahoma got funding for four projects. The university's Wesley Whitaker says funding like this helps the university engage more deeply with black farmers. We take the research results and we uh, disseminate it among producers so that uh, their uh, production operation can be more viable, can be uh, more profitable. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack said in a statement that funding will help these HBCUs address agricultural challenges that affect diverse communities. Katie Pikus, Harvest Public Media. The Illinois Department of Public Health awarded $300 million in grants to local health departments last year for contact tracing. Reporter Peter Medlin talked with several tracers who have been speaking with sick Illinois residents for nearly a full year. Julie Hovland has talked to more people infected with COVID-19 than just about anyone. She's been a contact tracer for the Winnebago County Health Department for the past 11 months. A former substitute teacher forced indoors by early lockdowns, she was glued to her TV watching daily COVID briefings from the governor and public health director. And when they announced Illinois would be hiring thousands of contact tracers to help slow the spread, she leapt at the chance. She says in November, when the pandemic was at its peak in Illinois and over 10,000 new daily cases rolled in, it was a bit overwhelming. When volumes were really, really high, we weren't able to call everybody or have them answer as well, make contact with people. Tracers sometimes worked 60 to 70 hours a week, fielding incoming calls while also trying to make contact to interview people and hopefully contain the spread of the virus. In the very beginning, we often told people their test results because they didn't get them yet because now it's more efficient of getting your results. Those can be hard calls when people try in real time over the phone to unpack the implications of illness and how it affects them and their families. That's when contact tracers like Julie jump in with information both about the virus and the resources at their disposal if they need help. Their services include anything from income assistance and grocery deliver to, now, vaccine information. They also ask contacts to participate in text or email monitoring to keep up with their symptoms. Charity Bolden is another Winnebago County tracer who's been at it since last fall. People need letters for their employers stating that they need to be out of work for a certain amount of time, so we help with that. Both contact tracers say they can count on one hand the number of people who were openly hostile and didn't want to engage with them at all. And even though we're over a year into COVID-19, Bolden says many people they talk to don't know about the support programs they can offer. You know, a lot of people I speak with don't know some of the information, especially in the Spanish-speaking communities, just because the resources might not be available to them written or spoken. Sometimes there's still a lot of fear when they talk to people, and she says they're often the only phone call people get when they're sick. There's been a couple calls that I've made where uh, the person actually was really, really anxious and just needed someone to, like, talk to them. I mean, I think that sometimes we forget that this has been a very isolating thing for people and it's affected people's mental health as well. It's been a weight on the tracer's mental health, too. But Bolden says getting to educate and share information that could save not only their clients' lives, but the lives of the people around them is enough to keep her going. I make a phone call to one person that could connect me to potentially, depending on the situation, 20 more people who have families. It just kind of all kind of webs out. Winnebago County's volume of calls is still far below last fall, but cases are creeping back up as, because the new Delta variant, they rise statewide. 
The variant makes tracing more challenging too, since it's more contagious and the time from exposure to infection is faster. Hovland says vaccines have also changed the most common ages of people they contact. There's fewer people over 65 that we're interviewing. Bolden agrees and says she's had many more young people in their 20s and 30s lately. And she says they're not usually scared and just want to know what they need to do. And whereas in the past, they'd talked to a lot of people who are asymptomatic and got tested as a precaution, Hovland says the people they talk to these days have usually known or strongly suspected they had the virus for some time. The pandemic isn't over, and neither is their mission, though conditions may have changed. Some Winnebago County tracers even work in person in an office now. But as the number of cases continue to go up, and with schools returning next month, it looks like they won't be out of a job anytime soon. I'm Peter Medlin. Shulin Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.